Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is supported by Golden Artist Colors, manufacturing in upstate New York, Golden Acrylics, Williamsburg Oils, and most recently, Core Watercolors, an employee-owned company committed to producing the highest quality materials while maintaining a culture of stewardship and community involvement. You can try their acrylics, oils, and water media. It's all top of the line. And for more information about Golden Artist Colors, call them at 1-800-959-6543 or visit goldenpaints.com. Sound and Vision is also brought to you by Charter Coffee House. Charter is on Graham Avenue in East Williamsburg, just one block from the Graham L Stop. They serve great coffee, pastries, donuts, and more. Not only do I enjoy the fresh-brewed coffee at the store, I also get my beans for home from Charter. They carry and brew Middle State Coffee, a great roaster out of Denver, and they're currently working with them on a custom blend made specifically for Charter. Find out more at www.chartercoffee.com and follow them on Instagram at charter underscore bk. Anne View is an artist based out of Brooklyn. She received her MFA from Cranbrook Academy of Art and her BFA in Painting and Art History at the Kansas City Art Institute. Her work has been exhibited in solo shows at The Hole, Anka Coltis, Good Weather, and the Journal Galleries. Recently, she's shown in group exhibitions at the Newcomb Art Museum, Providence College Galleries, LMAK Gallery, Silvermine Art Center, Brooklyn Academy of Music, Brand New Gallery, and the Cranbrook Museum of Art. Her print edition works are included in the library collections of numerous universities and the Museum of Modern Art. I stopped by Anne's Brooklyn studio to talk about growing up in Oklahoma, Fantasia, Sorrento, Summer Storms, and more. Here's our conversation. Sounds good. Okay. So, Oklahoma. Yeah, I grew up in Norman, Oklahoma. It's a small college town. What was Norman, Oklahoma like? Um, it was all right growing up. My dad was a professor. I was going to say college town in the middle of Yeah, that's why we ended the up The Midwest there. is like usually a college related profession. So your dad was mm-hmm. a professor. Mm-hmm. What did he teach? Civil engineering. Wow. Did he grow up in Oklahoma? No, my parents both grew up in Kansas. Mm-hmm. And then um, my parents ended up moving to Michigan, and that's where I was born. And then when I was four, they moved out to Oklahoma. Do you remember Michigan at all? Mm, no, but uh-huh. I remember the drive out to Oklahoma oh, really? and singing and being excited. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. You were open for the move? Yeah, I was young. I didn't <laughs> right. know. Yeah. I didn't know any better. It's like a fun trip. <laughs> yeah. So, and what did your mom do? My mom was a nurse, and then she ended up going back to school and starting a company using my dad's research. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, were they creative people? Um, creative in their own way. <laughs> <laughs> but, so how did, how do you think it translated to you were you creative growing up did um, you like to yeah draw I, I mean yeah I liked to paint and draw I was mostly drawn to that um yeah I have 
four siblings, oh, and wow. I'm the fourth, so it was chaos around me. <laughs> so <laughs> drawing was kind of my little focus. Yeah. Was it being the last of, wait, you were the fifth? or last fourth. For you were the fourth. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like you, it was pretty mellow as far as like the parental guidance at that point? Yeah, by the time I was a teenager, they were kind of done parenting. Yeah, they're like, so you'll I be got, fine. I got away with a lot. Oh, that's cool. What, <laughs> how, do you think that it, that shaped you in a way? Uh, yeah, I yeah. think, yeah, I felt a little more freedom and less pressure to uh, please. Right. They were over it. <laughs> they were a little over it. Yeah, they wanted to do their own thing. Yeah. I think. And did they have you when they were a little older or were they still pretty young? Um, pretty young. Yeah. Like 30. That's cool. Yeah, they had like five kids by the time they were 35, which is insane to me. Different time, <laughs> different generation, mm-hmm. different location. Mm-hmm. Not many New York City people are having that many kids no that way. young. Yeah. Yeah. So um, when you were growing up, did you, like, what's what's life like? I mean, what were you inspired by or what, like, made you excited? Were you into music? Were you playing sports? Were you, you know, um, what was your thing? Yeah, I guess I played a lot of sports and... Um, I hung out at home a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> and just drew and painted. But um, I guess one thing that inspired me about living there was the horizon oh, and like, yeah. the sky and the thunderstorms there. And You can see them. For, was it really flat there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. like Kansas like that. You could see them from miles and miles away. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was cool, but like terrifying as a kid. Oh, did torn- you have tornado <laughs> fear? <Tornadoes, yeah. laughs> and we had no um, storm shelter, so oh, it would no. be like eating in the back hallway, or if it got really bad, like get in the car and like drive to a school to oh, wow. go underground. A shelter? Yeah. Oh. So that was like your big fear. Mm-hmm. That's in a way, it's kind of. I mean, that's like nature, the sublime nature, right? The power of nature, and mm-hmm. that fear of it. But were you sort of like? aesthetically inspired by the landscape yeah, yeah totally and like the thunderstorms when the sky turns green and purple yeah definitely it's menacing, menacing right but beautiful yeah and oh, that's cool and, and then in school were you into art like did you have a good art teacher and i was into it but yeah i didn't have really a good teacher she oh, would yeah. let me hang out there during assemblies and paint so mm-hmm. that's one reason she was good but she was an enabler even yeah. if she wasn't the best teacher <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> yeah but you need that space right like growing up yeah yeah and, it was important but you didn't do any sports or any like, um, organized group as activity soon, as soon as i got to high school i quit all of that yeah <laughs> and yeah the weekends i'd spend just hanging out at like um venues and Oh, yeah. What kind of music were you into? Um, I was into, uh, you know. You can say it. (laughs) (laughs) That seems guarded. I don't know. Oh, you know. You know. uh, I guess I saw the White Stripes early on. That was cool. Like a million hardcore and metal bands. Just whatever would come through the all-age venues in my hometown. thing about College Town. Yeah. Lots of people come through. Yeah. That's cool. So you've seen like basement shows and stuff? Yeah. And hanging out with college kids? Um, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So when it came time to graduate high school, at that point, did you know I'm going to do something art related? I wanted to, but um, 
I ended up going to the University of Oklahoma mm-hmm. for a year, trying to find my way and taking art classes there. And then I... How was that? How were the art classes there? Um, it was good. Yeah. It was like very literal, like draw these boxes, now draw my sculpture I made. Still lives. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. Um, yeah, it was good. Um, and I got to take a lot of different classes that were interesting, like anthropology, meteorology, these like intro classes. Was this kind of like a liberal arts situation where mm-hmm. you had to take... Certain, that's a good thing about university as opposed to art school, right? Is that you yeah. can take a lot of stuff. Yeah, it was good. And then I kind of realized that the art classes weren't taking me anywhere there. And I Googled art school. I didn't even know what art schools <laughs> were. Like, I had no experience. No one's like, it doesn't sound like you had any mentors or anyone helping you out in no, this process. No, not in art anyway. So, yeah, I ended up finding the Kansas City Art Institute. And Which is a great school. Great school for a Google how far <laughs> it <was> like the, <laughs> thanks google <laughs> it was like the closest art school i i guess too is that what you were looking like google maps yeah i guess <laughs> i don't know what it's i was the thinking. closest place it's yeah. funny we do that though i you know when i was looking at schools i looked at okay what's nearby mm-hmm. i mean you know about those faraway schools you've heard of whatever maybe. it is maybe right? you know <laughs> yeah or like ucla or something like mm-hmm. you've heard of colleges but i think you tend to gravitate towards what's close to you mm-hmm. so what happened when you, I mean, Kansas City Art Institute, you just figured you'd apply to it and transfer? I, yeah, I just figured I'd apply, and it turned out to be really great, and I had amazing professors, and it was really fun at that time, and yeah. Yeah, who were who were your key, were you in the painting program at that point? Mm-hmm. Did they have it split up, or was it just art school? You take uh, whatever you it want. It was painting. It's yeah. painting. Yeah. And what year was this? Um, 2005. Okay. Yeah. Right around the, well, it's a, a lot of schools at that time are starting to break down the walls between departments. Like yeah. Art there, schools, not universities. Yeah, there was an inter- interdisciplinary department that ended up breaking up. <laughs> like a <couple laughs> they tried years, it. Like, they tried. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, I don't know where, where those students ended up, but. <laughs> right. <laughs> they filtered into some department. Yeah. yeah. How did you feel? I mean, do you feel, I always feel like, Make, trying to make it too there's something okay about departments because part of the fun is if you're a painter in a painting program it's like taking that sculpture class or doing something outside of your area feels different than if it's just like all one big art school where everyone can do anything at any time i mean did you feel constricted by the just being in painting um no i th- felt like it gave me a foundation and something strong to respond and react to yeah which was good i like the idea of alterity or right. like bringing sculptural elements into painting. Yeah. Our professors like really encourage experimentation and like breaking down what a painting is and taking that apart and processing it through other materials. And right. Yeah, it's really good. Did you have good visiting artists too? Mm-hmm. Was that a good yeah. part of the program? Yeah. Nice. And then, so in working with painting, did you take a lot of those other courses? Did you take like any animation or graphic design or any other stuff outside of fine art? Mm, not at that school. Yeah. I took um, like Japanese literature and Western philosophy, and that was really fun to take at art school. That's cool. Fun conversations. Oh, so they have, they have stuff outside of just art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A couple of classes. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So 
four years there? Or did you have to go longer because of... Um, I ended up double majoring and doing an art history BA as well as painting. So oh, really? I stayed another year. Mm-hmm. How was the art history side? It was good. Yeah. Yeah. What was your... Did you have some sort of like focus in that or was it general? Um, my thesis uh, was in postmodernism. <laughs> I think that essay was just her- terrible. <laughs> if you had to sum up your thesis, like what's the painting or the artist that's on the front of that thesis? <laughs> I don't even remember. David Sally? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. So you had a strong art history background too? Yeah. So that was good. Nice. I think um, because I had no training or um art history going into undergrad it was important for me to like kind of get some foundation catch up a little bit yeah like all the other students it seemed like they had gone to art high schools and were so like sophisticated (laughs) so it's like i need to work hard here (laughs) right right you felt compelled to to broaden your art historical knowledge too Mm -hmm. so you graduate, did you think, you went to Cranbrook after that, mm-hmm. didn't you? Mm-hmm. Did you go right away or did you take time? Um, I did this one year MA program at Eastern Illinois University mm-hmm. to get some teaching experience, teaching art appreciation. Did they appreciate it? <laughs> I, don't th- I don't think they did. <laughs> no? Damn. <laughs> Maybe a couple of them. Yeah. Well, how was it though, that experience? It was really good. Yeah. Yeah. But fresh out of school, was it daunting? or? It was, but yeah. it was a good challenge. And right. I got to spend a lot of time in my studio there. Mm-hmm. So I was able to just isolate myself. Other than teaching, I was just in my studio. Right. And then make work that I ended up applying to grad school with. So. And what what's our work like at that point? What are you doing? Um, watercolor paintings. Yeah? Yeah. Large scale? Like large small? scale, big gestural, like fluorescent watery abstractions yeah and who were you i mean were you looking at like frankenthaler and stuff like that or yeah yeah, yeah. the Try. staples mm-hmm. morris lewis yeah i'm trying to think of other fluid fluidy people those are some of the best ones oh they're so good right <laughs> yeah sam Gil- oh yeah there's a lot, a lot mm-hmm. of people so that got you into grad school yeah and then how was cranbrook it was an interesting experience. Yeah. Yeah. Elaborate. <laughs> interesting. Interesting <laughs> is judgy in a way, isn't it? <laughs> it's a little judgy. It is. Uh, it was cold and for that reason, good. Like just to focus on the studio and spend Oh, a lot I thought you time. meant the program was cold. Like people <laughs> no. weren't very warm. No. No. Uh, no, my professor was awesome, Beverly Fishman. Yeah. And it was interesting in that the faculty lives on campus and their oh, really? studio, like oh, her yeah. studio is like right above ours. So there's like, which is great, isn't it? Isn't it? I feel like that's a great thing to, as a student, when I was in undergraduate school, mm-hmm. there were teachers whose studios were in the building and just seeing them working was inspirational. Yeah. Cause you could just peek in and see a, a painting progressing over time. And that was mm-hmm. really exciting. Yeah. You'd be like, well, if they're doing it here, then I should be doing it here. Yeah. So that was fuel for the fire, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And did yeah. you was your work shifting a lot at that point? Was you just building on abstraction, water-based stuff? I ended up um, getting into installation and playing with black lights and kind of trying to take apart the paintings yeah. into space. and Exploded painting? Yeah, exploded painting. Yeah. And... 
yeah uh that was interesting did you but, get good response like um i guess yeah. yeah i had some good um visiting artists there good critiques yeah yeah and were those people coming from all over or new york or uh, you know new york who, yeah. yeah yeah so that was good you felt like you were getting some sort of connection to to people who are working in the city and mm-hmm. yeah yeah I feel like visiting art of artist programs are so important because they give you, I mean, the faculty is great in places, but it's in a different kind of energy when a visiting artist comes through. Oh, yeah. It can be extremely uh, inspirational or it can just be like bombastic and they just come in and <laughs> blow the so place. so boring sometimes. That's true. Yeah, yeah. There are the boring ones. <laughs> the slide lectures where you just see people nodding. <laughs> that happens a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. I think it's just a dark auditorium college students mm. yeah long nights yeah nodding off during lectures mm. do you do you talk about your work often do you give slide talks um yeah i have do, do you spice them up in any way um, or do you go conventional i go a little conventional what <laughs> you gotta put black lights exploded <laughs> <Yeah>. lecture <laughs> i think in the future i've i had that thing um, well, I, when the visiting artists came in graduate school, I was the liaison, which mm-hmm. I would have to, at that point, they had like slide carousels mm-hmm. and we would have to take their slide sheets and load up the carousel and, mm-hmm. and take them around to all the studios. And I remember there were so many talks that were just so long and boring, <laughs> but you know, you only have slides. So really you can only do a chronological, you know, talk right. about your work. But then, then I when made this move was that, then I made this move. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Yeah, here's my, in the, in the next year, I made these six paintings, you know, it just goes and people are nodding off. Mm-hmm. But then with the advent of, you know, Keynote or PowerPoint, you can mm. add a lot of fun stuff in there. So I vowed whenever that happened mm-hmm. to always add some moving mm-hmm. things, some sound and all that stuff just to keep people awake. Mm-hmm. Because no matter how great you are. Yeah. You got to activate some <laughs> yeah, other part yeah. of the brain. When you, like, yeah, when you darken the lights, like we could all fall asleep to mm-hmm. some of the best artwork in the world. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not forcing, I'm not <laughs> telling you to add that stuff. Teach but. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, so Cranbrook was good. When you got out of there, what was the, the plan was to just move here, move here, make work, yeah, work jobs. I didn't really expect to show much. Right. I just thought I would come here and work, and I just try I, to get situated. Yeah, yeah. Find yeah. a space to make the work, which yeah. is always a challenge. Yeah, the first couple of years I lived here, I just worked from my apartment. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is I think nowadays, especially with the price of studios and stuff, a lot of people do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you can make the work, were you making smaller stuff? Yeah, so yeah, my work kind of changed. Yeah, I ended up doing this book project Uh with small editions. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was good because it was just on my computer. And then I started working on like little video animations because that was free. Yeah. (laughs) And didn't require space. Right. And the the sort of physical stuff that you were making, was that Mm. just work on paper or small paintings? Yeah, some like layered... Um, prints mm-hmm. on acetate and then painting on the acetate so starting to like paint with print and kind of that interaction started to become important did you study printmaking at all while you were in school no so everything you were doing was just kind of like experimenting just winging it yeah. yeah learning as i go that's cool yeah so 
you get a day job, you're working at home, eventually you get a studio, and how did you start connecting, you know, and just sort of getting out there? It was just meeting people at openings and doing mm. nothing? Yeah, just hanging out, really. Yeah. And you had a connection between, uh, some because obviously some of your faculty were here and working or active, mm. right? Or, or just active in general. Was that sort of a way that you connected with people as well? Um, or did you just kind of move on from that and meet new people when you got down here? I mean, I I'm, had some friends from grad school that had graduated before me mm-hmm. and their friends. I guess that's kind of how I started. Yeah. A school showing. network. Yeah. Yeah. But then kind of diverted from that and just, yeah. Right. Met, you, met friends here. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how it happened. <laughs> well, you get, you, you kind of have to somehow make some sort of connection to get your feet under you and then you just mm. start running, right? Yeah. So when did you, when were you able to start working on more substantial work? And mm, when I got the small studio, well, no, I had one apartment where I had some roommates that weren't artists and for some reason they let me use the living room as my studio. That's good roommates. <laughs> yeah, they were really sweet. Um, so yeah, I started making paintings there yeah. and having visits and trying to develop and just not stay still. Is this in Brooklyn? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, yeah. It's a smart move because my first studio when I moved to Brooklyn, I uh, my roommates were, I think um, there was a literature person, like there was a music person. There were people who weren't making art too, so we had space. You know, mm-hmm. they didn't really care. There was some extra studio space in the loft mm-hmm. and they didn't care if we were working because it didn't really affect them. So it yeah. can be a nice strategy of <laughs> affording some space to totally. work in. Whereas if you move in with five artists, they're all going to want studio space. The same yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. You can be like, that's my corner. <laughs> So when did your, when and how, I know it's a, it's a gap of years, but how did the work sort of progress from, you know, making fluid abstractions to like what you're working on now? Hmm. That's a tough question. Did it slowly Um, happen over time or did you find this material that you started getting interested in and that fueled a new way of abstraction? Yeah, I think starting using printing mm-hmm. um, really changed the language. And working on this book project I did and thinking about spreads mm-hmm. and seeing two images at once. Right. And like using this kind of obsolete technology of the book, that, or not obsolete, but just old. And then bringing this kind of like more contemporary language to it, it was kind of exciting to me. And then applying that to painting, it was just kind of a process that started feeding itself. Right. And then I started becoming interesting, interested in having more of my hand in the work. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to paint more. And so I started um, experimenting with mediums and then air- eventually airbrushing mm-hmm. on to the, f- the material. And you've, you've found those processes out of just exploring mm-hmm. kind of like what you wanted things to start looking like. Mm-hmm. It's interesting too because... I'm imagining, but maybe I'm totally wrong, that the book idea and that generating this new way of thinking about making work wasn't because you were like studying artist books, but it was more of just, a, you know, born out of necessity of working small in your apartment mm-hmm. and thinking of a way to get work out there that's in a different format, right? Yeah. Or, and to like give a physicality to the images I was making digitally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 
And then the book being such like an intimate way of experiencing right. imagery. Um, but that's cool. It was kind yeah. of, it came out of um, a limitation, not a limitation, but you know, mm-hmm. if you had a gigantic 3,000 square foot studio, you might not have started out working on books and working in that method. Right. I didn't really know much at all about artist books or yeah. that I could even make one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how did you come to, how did you come to that idea? Was it through the addition place? Yeah. So um, they, did they contact you or mm -hmm. you? Yeah. 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 That's serendipitous. They're also Cranbrook people or the, one of the founders. So that was another way I kind of connected in New York to their network. And And artist um, books are, they're such a great, it's, it's weird. It's like its own separate channel. Mm-hmm. But it's a really great channel for getting work out there or getting people to see mm-hmm. things in, like you're saying, in a really intimate way. Mm-hmm. Other, you know, not online. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's so much noise on screens and online that you'd see things and, oh, cool, whatever. But when someone hands you a book, it's you. It's harder to ignore it or just, you know, close the window, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah, there's no infinite scroll. No, there's no. <laughs> it begins and ends, and mm-hmm. you hold it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. There's something really. Um, I just. I. I think the more this happens, the more I get, um, not fetishized, but just love like printed matter and books, and mm-hmm. you know, there's something special about that. So, that tactile experience of the books starts getting into the paintings. And then at a certain point, were you just having people in and how did your, you know, being able to show the work, did it come, was it born out of the work being seen through the book? You Wait, know what I mean? Like how did you start getting the work out there? Um, yeah, just having visits. Yeah. Um, I was in like a couple little group shows um, and then, uh, yeah, invited people over and yeah. got good feedback or bad feedback and, it was good. Right. Yeah. But, and then also, side note, I just thought of this. You spent time, didn't you spend time outside in Europe or something too? Yeah. Did you travel a lot during um, your, or was this early in your life? Um, this, yeah, I, I traveled a little bit um, when I was 21. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was in fourth grade, um, my parent, my dad did a research exchange in southern France. So we picked up and moved there from Oklahoma for two years. Whoa. And that, that was a must culture, culture shock. shock. <laughs> yeah. Like they're reading poetry and learning German. And <laughs> right. Yeah. So that was, but that must have been exciting. Yeah, it was a really good time. Actually. If not yeah. like startling, but probably eye opening. Yeah. And I, are you French? Your last name is French, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> that um, had nothing to do with the location. My great-grandfather yeah. was French, yeah. But that has nothing to do with the location. No, but okay. yeah. We kind of claim French as our oh, yeah? heritage. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you're ma- is, it a lo- are you, is it a lot of mix mm-hmm. going on yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that happened with my on my dad's side. Mm-hmm. He was a, you know, there was always this thing like where uh, British and Belgian was the thing that I always heard. Mm-hmm. So you just go, as a kid, you just go with that. And then fairly recently, I don't know, like seven or eight years ago, I started doing, because online you can search. Mm-hmm. And I found all these documents of like ancestors coming over from boats. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, they, they sailed from England, but they came from France and Belgium. Oh, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they weren't actually British. They just, 
that's where they that's where they left departed. from but if you yeah. dig a little deeper you realize they're they're from further in europe but mm-hmm. it's it's interesting like your identity mm-hmm. when you're a big old mix mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. that you kind of i think parents sometimes just claim the fashionable or whatever's the cool thing or something <laughs> you know my, i remember a couple of years ago my dad saying yeah your your uncle took you know, he's a uh, twin. Mm. He's like, your uncle took that, um, I forget what it's called, the genetic testing, the DNA thing. Mm. He's like, you're a little bit, it's just a little bit Irish. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he's like, don't tell anyone. <laughs> like he was embarrassed or something. Huh. But it's funny, like the mixing of it. So mm. anyways, sidetracked. But you spent time in France. Mm-hmm. And then did you travel after that at all? Or were you pretty... Um. Have you done a lot of traveling? Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say a lot, but um, I did a overseas class with Micah mm-hmm. in undergrad. I oh, was just, it just like a sister school, or you applied to it? I wanted to go to Italy for some reason, and I just like scoured art schools that were taking people. For some, was it the <laughs> amazing art and food and culture? Yeah, that yeah. Made you? <laughs> maybe, yeah. So where's Micah's yeah. program? Uh, Sorrento. Oh, how's that? Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is it really going to be a dud? <laughs> yeah, they have lemons that are like the size of your head nice. and it's just like gorgeous and, and so nice. Embarrassingly, I'm bad at Italian geography. Is Sorrento in the south? Oh, it's by Naples. Yeah. Okay. That's like saying, <laughs> I don't even know where Naples, Naples is. Naples is far south. Right? Yeah. It's in the boot part. Yeah. It's beachy. Right. Oh man, that's, a, and did you see a lot of artwork there or is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That must have been amazing. So a lot of times traveling affects people's work or it kind of, you know, people learn a lot through travel. Mm. Um, it sounds like you like were born and raised in abstract. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever work representationally? Um, I've been pretty committed. Yeah. You're a lifer, <laughs> an abstract lifer. Um, I, in undergrad, I think I kind of worked through, worked my way up to abstraction oh yeah well through still lives and all that stuff yeah and then i was like i I don't know this this is what you connect with Mm. so did the travel do you feel like it affected your work at all in a first way um i mean the quality of light it's always interesting especially down there in italy um the architecture like the insanely innate facades and Mm -hmm. um I, I think I, because I read an interview that you did, mm-hmm. and I think you mentioned architecture in that as being either like inspiration or something that you look at. How, mm-hmm. in when it relates to your paintings, is it more of like the way you're building the image, or is it just space, or how are you thinking about, you know, architecture or structure in your paintings? Mm-hmm. That's difficult. Um, I guess I think about it pretty like remotely. Yeah. Um, related, but I think like the type of space in the paintings, I guess. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. Well, there's like there's curves, there's arches. I didn't know yeah. if it was something mm-hmm. that, and I think everyone, well, not everyone, a lot of times in paintings, people have an an architectural, a building approach to building the image. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like you, like you were saying, you have a certain structure you like to put on underneath and mm-hmm. sort of build up. Mm-hmm. That's like. An architectural way of building a painting in a sense do you know what i mean through yeah. layers um 
do you, so you have that connection in your work when you're making it? Yeah. As far as like I think, a building process? Yeah. I think my, my process of building a painting is like more, way more fluid mm-hmm. than um, I guess I think about some other um, artist friends of mine who really build like, build like engineers or yeah. something. And it was the, more responsive. Yeah. Fluid. Uh, yeah. Yeah. How, so these aren't very mapped out. Um, some of them are, I guess, like I create different problems for myself to, uh, respond to in each painting, but like this one is, uh, more geometrically, the background is more geometric yeah. than some of the others are more kind of organic. And are you, are you doing a lot of improvising in the act of painting? Do you know what I mean? Is, do you think of it in that sense? Yeah. Yeah, I try to anyway. I think it would be boring for me to just kind of execute. Right. Yeah. People do it. Yeah, people do it and <laughs> they like it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so well, here's a question I often ask people is if if you were to describe your painting through music, mm-hmm. what do you feel like your painting sound like? Mm-hmm. Repetitive like electronic oh really dream pop kind of electronic dream i don't pop. know that sounds good i'm just trying to immediately trying to associate <laughs> some sort of band to or <laughs> to what that was do you listen to music while you're painting mm-hmm. can i ask what is it all over the place yeah or it's kind of all over the place i like um jazz electronic music dance music yeah yeah who's your f- who's like a recent favorite of elect I listen to a lot of electronic stuff. I don't know. Not to put you on the spot or anything. <laughs> um, you know what? This isn't really electronic music, but I saw John Mouse play recently. He was, was that really at good. Um, Brooklyn Steel? No, no. It was that Elsewhere? Oh, right, right. It's a new venue. Yeah. Yeah. No, that place is really nice. Yeah, it's cool. That's cool. I can I can see that that connection. A kind of hazy though. Mm. Your stuff like repetitive electronic, I'll think of like Autech or something like more like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But yours feels a little more like washed out ish. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, the music. Mm-hmm. Not the band? Yeah, not like <laughs> washed out, like it's all blurry or something. Mm-hmm. Although it is kind of blurry. Yeah, and there's like this thermo mapping vibe to some of it too. Is that mm-hmm. is that not intentional or um, how do you feel about that connection? I like it yeah. because I yeah I'm interested in like heat light all kinds of waves. Um, my parents have a company or started a company when they're younger that creates software that um, predicts rainfall. Nice. So they started that out of our living room. Kind of like the apps we have now. Is that yeah. what you mean? You know, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah, like uh, radar mapping yeah, of yeah, like yeah. storms and all that stuff. So. That was interesting seeing that early on in my life, that relationship to nature. Yeah. But I don't expect that to really come through or be like content in the work. Right. It's kind of like a visual influence. Like an unconscious Mm -hmm. way of seeing something that excites the way you see. Mm -hmm. I think a lot that happens a lot within us that we don't even realize we're attaching to certain aesthetic choices or Mm -hmm. influenced or inspired by certain things that just harken back to things that we saw when we were younger. Mm-hmm. you know either in a good or a bad way <laughs> sometimes that's things you loved 
to look at or that were really interesting or other times it's like things that were like creeped you out or were scary <laughs> you know right just like those storms were probably mm-hmm. it's really interesting that they were working on that and then also you had this relationship to looking out at storms and nature and that kind of mm-hmm. beauty yeah. and fear of the seriousness of that yeah it might just be a narrative i'm telling myself <laughs> <laughs> but that's that isn't that art yeah art is artifice it's like narratives we're telling ourselves or that we're creating mm. in a way and, do, and how i can imagine that certain people would look at your work and think it's kind of like this process that you're using and it's abstract and you know i've in my work you know i i do a lot of taping or there's a cleanness to it and sometimes people think it's unemotional or hmm unattached or you know that age-old like well it's not really gestural or it doesn't feel like it just feels cold or Mm. removed or something have you ever gotten that or felt that at all or Um, thought about the sort of emotive content versus the removal of yourself in the work yeah in a warholian sense of like you know he didn't really quote unquote i don't want to paint me i want to paint the world and just be a mirror to the world even though it was totally i kind of like the cold yeah, you're into the cold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you like yeah. emotional work, though? Like emo work? I don't even know what emotional work is. Me neither. Caravaggio. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to think of someone who would be a modern-day emotive artist. I don't know, I'm blanking. Well, I guess there are a lot that I like, but for myself, I'm not interested in creating. Yeah. I'm interested in creating a mood, I guess. Right. Frankenthaler did that, right? Yeah. But those are, I guess it's funny, the gesture in those is very kind of like automatic and feels real direct. So the hand feels like it's there a little more. I think with your work, since it's referencing a material that's being played with or, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of like light that's happening to a made object Mm -hmm. and not kind of like, an immediate touch thing. Yeah, it's like an it, affectation. It feels almost like like a photograph of an experience, even mm-hmm. though it's painted. So there's that interesting dialogue between photography and painting and mm-hmm. that you're taking a lot of time with your hand to create these surfaces that look kind of like what light does with a specific surface. Mm-hmm. You know, Is that something that you want to <laughs> you sort of... Do you even um, care about the viewer when it comes to that stuff? Or do yeah, you just kind I, of into what I you're I want doing? them to, um, I guess, just experience the product. <laughs> Not the product, but the end result of the process. The final product. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess, it, yeah, it's hard to think about the viewer. I've heard like a lot of different reactions to my work. Mm-hmm. Like a woman saying it's masculine or an undergrad, a student. Uh, fellow students he said all I see is makeup and I was like well I'm gonna take that and run with that even harder (laughs) like (laughs) take that and like use it or something and like use these kind of intense artificial colors to kind of challenge right my own painting to play that up yeah um the masculine thing isn't that it was like so ridiculous. strange. It's just because yeah. it's big abstract painting. Or I have something. no idea. Yeah, like only men do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, people it's have all like sorts of associations that don't make sense to me sometimes. Yeah, applying gender roles to paintings is mm-hmm. really weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I hadn't thought about it, but there is a little bit of like a Marilyn Minter kind of like hazy. Uh, do mm. you like her work at all? Oh yeah, I love her work. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought of that until you mentioned makeup, and for some reason, her work popped into my mind. But mm. and there's also that kind of acidic, punchy palette mm. thing that's going on. I think hers is referencing like makeup and blown out lights and stuff. But mm-hmm. it's interesting that you're kind of in a way really removing the body because it's this material Mm -hmm. but then the body in a way becomes like the way that you're making it you know what i mean or the gesture is that capturing of some anyways i i think that's interesting (laughs) i think there's a connection too between the idea of playing electronic music or filtering music through computers and Mm -hmm. and taking away the sort of quote-unquote live experience of making a note and but i'm not going to go there that's going to be yeah i like that but it's cool right yeah. like it, you feel that connection in a way yeah totally do you um i i think a lot of people do it where they find people who are creative in other mediums whether it's literature music you know dance whatever it is and find connecting threads there that kind of like they feel like oh yeah that's what i'm into or Mm-hmm. Do you have like kind of like you know people doing creating those things that you really that resonate with you and what you're specifically doing in your work? Yeah, I have not uh, that you need to name it, but yeah. you know like yeah. what do you or do you read a lot or do you listen I mean other than music? What are the things that kind of like inspire you aesthetically outside of the direct things that you're looking at to make your work? Um yeah. I mean, music, we talked about that, film. Yeah. Um, Anything specific? Off the top of my head. Uh, like Fantasia? Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Did you see it when you were young? Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind yeah of over and mind. over. Oh, man, I love that. <laughs> On repeat. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. it was visually just, mm-hmm. like, stunning, I think. And the music it, together with the image. Mm-hmm. Animations are great. And you said you did a little animation. Is that mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Do you still mess around with that stuff? Yeah, it's kind of a way for me, or like how I think about drawing mm-hmm. in my work. I'll take an image of the painting or print and put it into After Effects yeah. and just play, like try to destabilize the image, repeat it, whatever I need to do to kind of figure out what that image is to right. me. That's cool. So. And do you ever show those? Sorry, I don't um, remember seeing them if you did. I haven't, I, I, at TSA in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. I showed one, but it's a little bit awkward because I don't feel like they're really complete and I haven't really found a way to show them. Yeah. I feel like they need to be projected like as large as the wall or something and be like totally immersive. You could do that. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'd r- rather make paintings yeah. for now. Right. Yeah. But that's cool that, I mean when the image is existing in a different plane, even if you're not showing it or whatever, it's just Mm -hmm. kind of like when you're making drawings or watercolors or whatever, sometimes you don't necessarily show that or share that, but it can fuel, you know, like I would do that in music sometimes where I'd play stuff on guitar and bring it into After Effects Mm -hmm. and then run visual effects on the music. Oh, cool. So I have no idea what's going to happen to it, but Mm -hmm. then I'll get this different sound or texture and then try to bring that back in without putting that directly into the music. Yeah, some like weird idiosyncratic kind of process that just feeds everything somehow. Yeah, yeah, but it's nice when you have, you can work outside of just 
you know, if you're only working on canvas with an airbrush and a yeah. paintbrush every day, yeah, you know, to have crazy. these these other methods of and ways of finding inspiration. Mm. Do you read a bunch? Or I'm yeah. not a big reader. Um, I can't read. I don't have time. <laughs> no, I yeah. do. I do when I can. But I've been listening to a lot of Audible books. Yeah, yeah. That's nice in the studio, right? Mm. Yeah, I find it hard to calm down enough to like read a novel. Yeah, on a sofa. <laughs> in New York, anyway. I fall asleep whenever I start reading on a yeah. sofa. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, so Audible books mm. in the studio. Mm-hmm. That's, um, and then just judging by, like, I'm looking at the bucket over there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have you ever worked, again, I haven't seen it, but have you ever worked on walls or like large scale? Um, or is that something that would interest you to do? Yeah. yeah like, working in the public yeah. realm? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because you could see it like being big and everywhere. <laughs> yeah, all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Katarina Gross. Uh, oh work. yeah, she's, she's awesome. amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's like that is an exploded painting. Mm-hmm. It happens in three dimensions, and I guess you were kind of doing that. It's an interesting thought too of that with light added into the equation of how you could move into a three-dimensional space. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you were doing that some. Is that something you think you might come back to at any point? Um, yeah, someday. Yeah. Yeah. Lights are fun. Lights are fun. Light is fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. Of, I mean, it seems like, like a lot of your work is based on light. Mm-hmm. And even, like, harking back to those old, you know, storm days of just looking at that light and how it changes mm-hmm. so quickly. We just had that one. Were you around for that oh, storm yeah. that hit? Was that yeah, last yeah. night? That was yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Right? It was yeah. yesterday, yeah. Mm. I'm glad it's not just me that has to die. <laughs> Wait, that was last night. But it was an epic storm. I don't, mm. Were you outside at all? Did you see no, the light changing? No, but I could see the lightning, yeah. Yeah, the light changing in the sky was crazy. We got that like green, and then it would go blue and mm. gray. It's amazing. Summer yeah. storms are really nice. Yeah. Something relaxing about it. Yeah. I like those that move through quickly and not the ones that hang over for two straight days of yeah. pouring rain. Yeah, me too. So, um... So what can you just talk a little bit about the recent shows you've had and what you have coming up, if you have anything coming up or what, you know, in ways that people can check out your work? Um, I had a show in February at the Whole Gallery. Um, that must have been, I mean, I saw that. That must have been nice. We got a lot of response. and Yeah, it was pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, my first kind of show here, solo thing. Um I have a book at Penn State. Oh, yeah. I know that place. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the Waskov Gallery, are they showing work? Um, No, actually, it's it's a book project. So it's a show called Summer Reading, and it's up through September. Nice. And there are a lot of good artists in it. People should go see that. People should go see that. I'll be seeing it in a couple weeks. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Um yeah and then do you have anything coming up um or where can people see your work in the meantime in the meantime they can see my work on my website or instagram so you do social media yeah and it's just your name with an extra x yes if i'm not mistaken you're correct right (laughs) cool well um thanks for letting me come over yeah thanks for coming by sure thing thanks
Sound and Vision is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Brian Alfred. You can find out more information about my artwork at paintchanger.com or on Instagram at Alfred Studio. And you can check out more information about my work also at my gallery, Miles McHenry Gallery. Thanks for Michael Lovett for creating the introduction to the podcast, for Lullatone for supplying the intro and outro music, and for Logan Takahashi for also giving music to the podcast. You can find additional pictures of the artist studios and the artist's work that I'm talking to on the website soundandvisionpodcast.com under the images section. We have sold out of the Dream Street custom t-shirts that were made for our 100th episode celebration. Those are sold out, but you can still get tote bags, stickers, and pins, and those are all available online. And you can donate to the podcast by going onto the website and clicking on the donate tab to help support Sound and Vision. Another great way to support the podcast is to go to iTunes and leave a rating and a review for the podcast. It really helps. It helps bring interest in other people's attention to the podcast. And if you could just tell a friend who might be into hearing these artists speak and share it with someone else, that would be amazing. 